I just want to pray first. Uh, Father, I hand myself over to you. Um, we're here to do your will. Uh, I want to bring you glory. I want to, to honour you. Father, I just pray that people will have a full revelation today around who you are and who Jesus is and what that means for them. And, and Father, I pray for that full revelation that only your spirit could bring to people. We cannot do it on our own knowledge, so I'll submit myself into your hands and um, pray you will use me for your purpose. Amen. Right, so the title is Your Weirdness is Wonderful, yeah. Your Purpose is Powerful. Yeah. But the word weird, before I get into this, I think we've got to define it. And apologies to anyone in my life group, because you would have heard this sermon in many different shapes and forms <laughs> over the last year. So the word weird, uh, of course it means something, you know, supernatural and, you know, powerful and all of that and ab- abnormal, but it also is connected with fate, and it literally means a person's destiny. Did you know that? So it comes from an old English word, which W-Y... RD. You can look all this up, but that, that's the literal definition of the word weird. So what kind of destiny are we talking about here? So first let's look at weird, because everyone in this room is weird. You've all been created uniquely. There's no one else that's ever been created like you. No one else on the planet's like you. There never will be. And that's from God. And Psalm 139 says... I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. And the fearfully part is really that awe-inspiring God, you know, fear of, about how awesome God is. So you're made like awesome and wonderful. Now who thinks that God's made any mistake whatsoever with how he's created you? There's no mistake Right? And the purpose is powerful because it's not your purpose or my purpose, it's for his purpose. Amen. And this is another verse Nathan knows I'm a fan of. But, you know, Romans 11.36, For from him and through him and for him are all things, including you and your weirdness. So you created for him, for his glory. Right? So, you know, for we're God's handiwork, We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. So your weirdness is wonderful because it's from God and your purpose is powerful because it's for him. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. But we live in a world where I think from the day you're born you get measured you know, like as soon as you say you had a baby, that's like, oh, how long was it? How heavy was it? It's like, oh, that's a bit weird. Like, <laughs> not in a good way. Like if something's underweight or a big head circumference, no one's going to, you know, day one you're measured, you know, so, and if it's not in a sort of mid-range, it's sort of, oh, that's a bit weird. So you grow up, you grow up sort of learning not to be the full 100% 3D sorry, yeah, 3D, 4K colour version of yourself. You, you know, we're sort of taught to a bit like to fit in, you know. And if you're not, you can be ridiculed and rejected a bit. So I'm going to talk about that throughout this. I want to read this in, in, in 1 Samuel. This is where Samuel was tasked to go find the new king of Israel to anoint him. 
sent on a mission to make David's, you know, David became the king, but when he first rocked up there, it was uh, David's brothers and his father, you know, and it was sort of, there was one of David's brothers which must have looked like king material, like he must have been big and strong and, you know, so as soon as Samuel turned up, he saw this and thought, oh, this is the guy the Lord wants to anoint, you know, I can tell he just looks like the goods. And, but the Lord said, do not consider his appearance or his height. <laughs> Nathan. <laughs> the appearance. I'll never forget what I asked Joel in one of the kids' groups once. I said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, tall and strong like my dad. That's on video too. Anyway. Anyway, but the Lord said he's rejected him. Uh, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. So as you know, they're like, Samuel said, no, none of these people are it. None of, have you got anyone else? Is there another son? And it's like, oh, yeah, there's David, but he's like out, you know, being a shepherd or out with a, he's not here. And he goes, bring him here. And he was the one. Another weird thing about David is when it was David and Goliath, you know, Goliath was like a monster and he got the whole army, trained soldiers, they've got all their shields, they've got their spears, they've got all the weapons and no one would want to go and fight Goliath. But David said, I'll do it. But, and they said, well, here, here you go, put on this stuff, you know, like you, you have to wear this armour and shield and you, otherwise you're going to get murdered, mate. This guy's like, you're a kid. And this guy's massive. And he goes, no, no, I can't wear any of that. Because, you know, that would be weird to him. He wasn't trained in that. That's not him. What he's used to is his slingshot. You know, and that's kind of weird to go down and face a trained massive soldier and just take him out with a slingshot. But his whole life, that's what he'd been trained in. He'd been, you know, he was great at that. What David didn't do... He's turned around to everyone else and said, I'm going to train you guys in how to use the slingshot because that was his weirdness and his strength and he used it for God's glory. So I want to talk a bit about my life and as I'm doing that, I'll get you guys to reflect on yours. Like in terms of weirdness, like growing up, what are the things you've always known to be different about yourself? If you just think back, just growing up, you've always known that thing about you was different. Um, you know, for me, I always, you know, I'll give you a crash course in my weirdness. This is a little, <laughs> this is a little, not a little, quite a deep personality sort of profile of strengths and weaknesses. So I'm really like daring, ambitious, imaginative, resourceful. I'm not very content or I'm not guarded. And I'm quite logical and challenging and, you know, action-orientated, but I'm not very sympathetic, supportive or tolerant. <laughs> so, 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 like, I'm, this is me, but when I was growing up, I knew I was quite extreme in some of these things and, you know, it, it, it's a lot of what you, the world would call entrepreneurial behaviour, where you see something and you just want to make it better, or if someone says, this is how it's done, you're like, no, I don't think so, that could be better, and you're very challenging about it. And growing up was weird for me because I'd always want to challenge the status quo, I'd get into trouble at, at, at school, but, but 
but I was quite resourceful and imaginative. And I was using my weirdness, but I had yet to discover the purpose was obviously to serve God. So a lot of my weirdness led into serving myself or getting praise or, you know, could be even earning money or something like that. So one story I remember is, you know, I remember going everywhere and everyone loved mum's fruitcakes. You know, mum, remember your fruitcakes you made? (laughs) And, like, everyone would praise these things and I thought, hmm, there's demand here. (laughs) (laughs) But there's not enough supply, you know. (laughs) So I don't know how old I was, but for a while I turned our whole kitchen into, you know, manufacturing (laughs) fruitcakes. And we'd be selling them and distributing them and all that sort of stuff. You know, we had the neighbourhood car wash, which, you know, I just took it to another level where we'd go wash the cars. But there would be like six of us washing cars and I'm like, you know, we could wash more cars, you know, and people won't need their cars washed regularly. So I went around, I, didn't, I stopped washing the cars, I just signed up houses on a regular car wash plan <laughs> and sort of... <laughs> It was $10 for the car, but I'd give the kids who watched it eight, and I'd just keep two for getting the business. So I've always been wired that way. So, But it never really went anywhere. I think I failed and learned a lot of lessons and stuff. Um, so where have you been weird, and you've always known something different about yourself, and you've tried to use it, but you haven't yet seen its purpose or the world's rejected you for it or you've ended up failing. So for me, you know, I went through a rough time when I was like 17. I moved out of home because, you know, my, you know, I exposed some bad things my father was doing on 60 Minutes and, you know, when the film crew, you know, rocked up to the house, I, I sort of had, had enough of Dad lying about stuff and I said, look, it's time to come clean, Dad. And the promo that whole week for 60 minutes was like, you know, they went over the top, as you can imagine, but it's like, you know, an evil man, and I wouldn't say my dad was evil, but they're like, an evil man, they're like, now even his own son wants him to come clean, and then it's me going, Dad, why don't you just tell him the truth, you know, and then I went to school and I was surprised, I got ridiculed a lot by, you know, people for saying, oh, how could you do that to your dad? And at the time, you know, everyone in my family did the right thing in keeping the family together, but I felt really isolated and, you know, not comfortable. And I moved out of home, and I was, like, living living away from home when I was 17. Uh, I think we had a $40 a week flat up in Blackheath, and it was a tough time, but it was a time that took everything away from me, and there was nothing left except to trust God. And thinking back, it was one of the most powerful times for me to um, connect to God because I had nothing else and I don't know if you've been through one of those times but it was really looking back really great anyway I failed the HSC and I was like I think I got 46 in that whatever they call it and TER I don't know what they call it now but like 46 out of 100 and I was convinced I was going to go great selling Herbalife products if anyone's done (laughs) if anyone's done that so I was out multi-level marketing when I was 16, 17, 18, that, you know, just that failed. And then, you know, I ended up moving to Sydney and the best thing about that was meeting my wonderful, beautiful wife. <laughs> so 
So I moved down here and I thought I'd have to go to church, went to Penaney Uniting Church and then became... <laughs> Who's that, Angie? Yeah. And a really good friends with Annette first and that friendship developed into a big, strong relationship and it's been great. But I had no money and I had to take a job just driving forklifts part-time for BHP and then went and made ice creams at a new ice cream factory in Minto, which I've since found out they're going to close down, actually, um, for streets ice cream. So I started as a cleaner there and just because they were commissioning the factory. And commissioning means you just keep making stuff until you get the machine right. But it also meant like, you know, you wouldn't believe this unless you saw it, but it meant like 12 tonnes of magnums get thrown out. Because streets are very fussy and the magnum's expensive and it's got to be just right. But if it's not, it's like out, out, out. But it's still good, you know. So anyway, ended up getting a job on the machines, making paddle pops. Wanted to, being that profile, obviously I wanted to progress and tweak things. But I ran into, like, you don't have a uni degree, you're not getting a manager's job. There was a heavy union versus management environment. I became very, very uh, frustrated there. And then I'd started up a juice bar with my friend. I thought, I'll start a juice bar and an espresso bar. So we did that whilst I was working there. And that didn't work out either. And um, every time something failed or was about to fail, that's when I'd go to God and I'd say, oh, hey, hey, Jesus, Lord, can you help me out here? I've gotten myself into a pickle. And, you know, God would always look after you any time you come to him with anything. But for me, it was always at the end of something when it had gone off the tracks because I'd taken it down. I was using my weirdness for my own purpose. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, this time was, you know, I was technically on paper bankrupt. Annabelle was two years old. You know, my, my expenses exceeded my income. My liabilities were more than my assets. And I was like, you know, naturally my brain goes, what could I do? You know, how could I get out of this? What could I start? And... And luckily, the Lord's spirit was strong that day and said, whoa, 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 haven't you done that enough? Like, before you go do the next thing on your own strength, how about you go to God first this time? So that's, that's where, for me, my purpose uh, got revealed. And I'll, I'll tell you what I did, but I really encourage you to meditate on this verse, which is, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So I'm here to say, if you want to know God's purpose in your life, what your weirdness is for, offer yourself as a living sacrifice and then you'll be able to test what God's will is. So for me, it was a night shift and I was in the palletising unit at um, Streets, that's where all the boxes go on a pallet and get wrapped up magically and into a warehouse. And, I, and you know, I remember going down the stairs out the back of the, the back door of that factory and I just looked up at God and I said, I'd like I was already a Christian years and years before, but that's when I fully submitted myself over to God in 100% trust. I said, you, you know, take everything can, I have, all of me, 
I give it all to you. You can do with me whatever you want. I have no agenda. I didn't, I didn't care if it was going to be saving orphan cats in Uzbekistan or whatever. <laughs> I'm allergic to cats, so it would have been, <laughs> would have been a problem. <laughs> Interesting fact, you're not allergic to cat hair, you're allergic to their saliva because you know, they lick themselves. So if you're allergic to cat, it makes you feel better, doesn't it? It's a good thing to be allergic to. But <laughs> I, I, went out, I went out that night and first of all, I felt immediate relief, like just all of that, you know, in debt, burden, failed stuff, what's next, I've, you know, I'm going to be living out of a car soon, I'm behind on all my big mouth promises to everyone for 10 years, all that stuff, all of that pressure got, was immediately that was off me, but then very big changes started to happen in my life that are still happening, and it's, I'm going to get into that. So do you feel God's purpose for you has been revealed? Maybe not. I'm telling you today, the only way to get it is to offer yourself over to serve him with nothing uh, left. So anyway, what happened was Rachel, my sister, rang me up about a week later and said, oh, hey, you should come and meet these people. We're you know, working on this transaction and the person selling the business needs to show the buyer all their information and they need this product called a virtual data room. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I knew, because I, I knew a lot about business, but I knew the process. But anyway, I went and met Andrew there, and there's me, Rachel, and the lady Daphne, and that's how you get the name Ansarada. It's our first two initials of all of our names. And we do some big stuff. Now, just like David, God uses people that have no right, based on worldly standards, to do what they do and be where they are. And the Bible's full of that. And I kind of feel privileged to be one of them. Where, you know, I have no formal education. I've done nothing in legal, banking and all of that. I do, you know, failed at uni, all of that stuff. Never went making ice creams in a factory. Literally weeks before doing bigger things. That's, this is the stuff we do. Um, I'm only showing you what we do just so you, it's, sometimes not knowing what we do. And so, you know, when menu log, you probably know that, they, they got sold to a UK company that was run on our platform and all these other deals as well. And it's been an amazing journey where, you know, this is the growth that we've had in our company. And, you know, the team size as well has really grown a lot over the years. And... I'm not saying we've run lots of awards and all that stuff. I'm only showing you that because I don't consider any of it my own. You know, I think my sister got up here and did a talk and an offering the other day, which is about we're all just stewards. You know, so I'm telling you this because my weirdness is purpose built for growing a, a bit, an enterprise. Of course, we give people employment. I worked out we paid about $30 million in taxes. It probably pays for a school or two. It's like, I'd. I'd you know, there's lots of good stuff. We get to run the business in Christian principles. We get to be salt and light to people who usually don't care about God because they're so wealthy they think they can get away with just living on money. So there's lots of good purposes. But the ultimate purpose is that everything is for him, it's from him, it's through him, it's to him. So none of that would have happened without me submitting to God. And it's still God's purpose there is still being revealed 
and I just considered myself like a, a steward and a, a servant. But I want to get back to my weirdness. <laughs> Thanks, Nathan. I want to get back to my weirdness. So this stuff is great when you're starting something from scratch. You know, this kind of being a challenger, you know, improviser, going out, imaginative, resourceful, all that stuff. Uh, but as the business grew, I've started to notice that when I was being myself in, in HD 4K colour, that was not good for some other people. So whatever your strengths are, there's some struggles that go with that. So that, that strengths around um, results orientated, you know, competitive, uh, initiating, um, preferring multiple projects, you know, because it's all, you know, that's great. But then as we had more and more of the team and I had more and more people to, you know, to serve, there's a lot of struggles with that. You can be a poor listener. You can might be controlling, demanding. Or have, you, you start to need systems and processes in business to, you know, but I, I hate routine and detail. So then if the leader's not doing it, no one else will do it. And, you know, you end up with all this chaos. My challenging strengths operate well in conflict, uh, I respond quickly, I work at a fast pace, but then that can lead to be too abrupt, too combat combative, too impatient. So I want to do the next thing before anyone else understands the current thing and they've even had a chance to... So that can be chaos. So what happened, I started to... I started off trusting God and knowing nothing and that was great because you don't have anything to question, you've just got no choice but to trust. But then the more I learnt and the more I observed people, I started to look at my strengths and go, gee, I'm actually, I don't think I'm, you know, that good here. I think some of my, what I'm good at, mate, is bad now. Maybe, you know, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe, maybe what I'm, who I am is bad. And, and you start to go down a road you don't want to go down. And the road I went down... Then, to be honest, I went down it the other week, and Lauren, my EA, could tell you, but you don't want to go down this road too long. And that road is, who do I have to be for what others need of me? So I started to look at who I was, and I started to think, well, who do I need to be for what others need of me? So you might not think that. It doesn't sound that bad, does it? Maybe it does, I'll show you, but... And then what do others want and who do I need to be to give it to them? I'll tell you the two big problems with this. One, you start rejecting what God created you to be. You're no longer weird. You're taking your full colour weirdness and you're muting it. You're making it black and white. You're seeing its effect in a, only in the bad lens. And the choice of saying, I'm going to stop being me is very dangerous. I think people chip away at themselves so much you can become depressed and have anxiety because you lose all sense of who you are and your purpose. Two, those two statements, who do I need to be for others, the second problem is you're now placing people's plans, their praise and purpose ahead of God's plans, purpose and praise. And just like people don't see what God sees, like if you go and you know, serve that, you're no longer being weird and you're no longer serving God. So is your weirdness still wonderful and is your purpose powerful if you're in that mental state? No. 
your weirdness is wasted and your purpose is pointless because it's got nothing to do with God. It's got to do with trying to serve others, get praise, fit in, not rock the boat, whatever. So that this road was not good. It's called like dissing yourself. So don't diss yourself is my message. And Satan's whole job is to diss you as well. He's called the accuser. And he's like constantly trying to diss you. So I did diss myself. But, but I want to talk to what the word diss means. So diss means a negation, a disadvantage. It means a reversal or an absence of an action or a state. So if you look at John 15:5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So what I'd done is diss myself in the sense that I was not really taking this message as my primary only orientation for what I'm doing and why. I was, starting, I was looking at others and validation through that. So then you become disconnected. You become discouraged, disadvantaged. You become disappointed, disgraced. You feel disabled. You know you're no longer able. You become disinterested in people and things because you want to. Especially men, we like to just retreat. Um, you feel discounted, and none of these things are good to dish yourself because that's you've take you've you've the the state of being in Christ and serving God's purpose and his weirdness he's created you for, for him, you've dished yourself off that and nothing good can come. But when you are in Christ, like in, with God, he connects you. Right. He encourages. All the advantages for us are only in Christ. God does not disappoint anyone. He appoints you. We disappoint ourselves. We take ourselves off our appointment. So I was appointed to do something for his purpose and I started to disappoint myself. I started to take myself off that appointment because I took my eyes off him and I took my sense of worth in other things. He obviously graced. You feel abled, interested and counted. So the world can think you're a zero, but in, in God, you're not. So anyway, I dissed myself so much that I, that I did really diss myself, and I took four months off work. Um, so I had, to, you know, two years ago, I took four months off. And because I was just, this is what my life felt like. It was like, it used to be a peaceful river that was exciting to go to work and, you know, do lots of things, but... Every, all the emails, meetings, obligations, different people, I felt like I'd lost my sense of identity and there was a lot of pressure and I, it was, nothing was inviting and it was like crossing that every day. And, um, you know, it became almost depressed. So I took four months off. And if people ask me, why are you taking four months off, I would tell them at the start, I just need clarity. You know, I just need, I can't see what's next, everything's clouded. You know, I've lost all sense of who I am and I just need clarity. And that sounds all right too, but that's, I'll tell you why that's bad. So anyway, I was sensing, I'm going to take time off. 
because I can't, I want to get clarity for what's next. And then Rachel sent me this uh, audio talk. She didn't send it to me for this message. She sent it to me because it talks a bit about Down syndromes in there and how, how great they are. But I was listening to this, and on the tape he said there was this you know, great professor, a theologian at Chicago University, and he was 38 years old and he was burnt out, and he took f- three months off and he just went to Calcutta and rocked up to Mother Teresa and said, I'm just, you know, I'm burnt out, I just want to serve you for three months. And it got my attention because I was exactly 38 and I was in this burnout thing. And then I'm like, I'm like, oh, hang on. And um, so he took three months. I've just turned up there and said, look, I just want, whatever you want me to do for three months, I'm here. And he goes, but can you pray for me? And she goes, sure, what do you need prayer for? He said, oh, look, I just want you know, told her while he's burnt out, similar to my story, and then said, I just need clarity. And now I'm really listening because I'm like, oh, man, this is why. And she said, I will not pray for clarity. That's the last thing you're hanging on to, and you need to let go and trust God. Wow. Because clarity says I'm not doing anything until I can see it. (laughs) You know, so... And he challenged her. He must have had my personality. <laughs> he challenged her back and said, um, well, that's easy for you to say. You've done the same thing for like 40 years. You look like you've had the most clarity of anyone on the planet. And she goes, that's what it looks like to you. She goes, but every day I've just gotten up and trusted God. And it just so happens that every day he's wanted me to do this. But if it was something different, I would have went and done it. So the world goes, oh, look at her clarity and purpose and the single-mindedness and commitment. But to her, it was the complete opposite. She was just trusting God every day. It just so happened that's the same thing. So that, that was me. So I realised quite quickly into that four months off that the answer was not clarity. The answer was trust. And, you know putting my trust in God's love. And he cares for me. He knows me better than anyone. He, he shaped me in my mother's womb. He's prepared good works in advance for me to do. I don't need to see them. I need to just trust him and let go. So two weeks into my four, four months off, I'd already felt like I've got the answer. I could come back. <laughs> but it's not like it, I took the time off and spent with the family and refreshed properly as well. And then I read this book, and I really love this book, because it's, and I love the title because it's called Ruthless Trust. Because the type of 100% trust in God, I think, can't be superficial. It needs to be ruthless. Often everything else in your life could be screaming out this direction. All the people, all the pressures, all your own thoughts and feelings could be here, and trusting God's over there. And to go against that huge tsunami is ruthless trust so I love this the grace laden act of trust is the landmark decision of life outside of which nothing has value and inside of which every relationship achievement, success and failure derives its final meaning so all of us all of that for us its final meaning is only revealed and derived when you 100% trust God with no agenda. So I really love that. 
So when I went back, and this is what trust looks like, I reckon, just a peaceful stream compared to that flowing torrent and all of that. You know, it's just, that's the image for me around when you trust in God. But, I, you know, I haven't been telling you the truth because God does actually dish you. So, well, if you've got some sins, they're dismissed. <laughs> if you have um, some charges against you, they're discharged. <laughs> you know, what Jesus did on the cross covers all charges against you. Uh, Satan wants to credit you with wrongdoing. Yeah, that's discredited. It, do- it doesn't stack up. That's been negated and there's a reversal of that state. So dismissed, discharged, discredited, this is what God does. And how? Well, what do we have to do? As someone said earlier today, nothing. You know, trust. So for all of sin, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God, but we're all justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. He's redeemed us. He's paid the price. All your debts, all your credits of wrongdoing have been stacked up and paid. So, you know, that, that's my story. Um, that's some of the things the Lord's revealed to me. But for you today, maybe, maybe you haven't got to know God. Maybe you want to recommit to God. Maybe you want to offer yourself yeah. as a living sacrifice 100%. So in a minute, I'm going to click into a prayer. And if you want to pray that prayer with me, you can know Jesus 100%. He can be your Lord and Saviour. You can have your purpose revealed and your weirdness can be wonderful. And if, if you haven't had that, I invite you uh, to come and get to know Jesus. So I'll just pray and you can follow me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. I ask forgiveness for my sins and receive you as my Saviour and Lord. Thank you for giving me the gift of eternal life. I want to turn and live a new life with you as my Lord and Saviour. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, you know, friends, if you prayed that prayer and it says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you now, you know, got a child of God. You got to know Jesus. If you want to go deeper on trust and you've been hanging on to anything in your life and wanting to control it and maybe you want clarity, I encourage you to let go of it today. You know, freedom is available right here today. And all it revolves is handing it over to God. He'll take it. His burden is light. He cares for you. He knows you better than anyone else. He's prepared great works for you to do. I encourage you to go seek them. Thank you.